all my energy at the moment because of lockdown really goes into the labels and the music that I'm putting out from such great talents in South Africa. Yo, what's going on, beautiful people? It's your boy Tito, and welcome to another episode of Maintain the Design. Today, we have an exciting and special guest in the building. He's been instrumental in the South African electronic music and club scene for more than two decades. He's a DJ, producer, promoter, label manager, and radio presenter. Kid Funk, how are you doing, my bro? Good, Tata. How are you? I'm awesome, thank you. Good. Um, so yeah, obviously, I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Because there's a lot about your career that intrigues me and a lot that I'd like to unpack. But can you just like take us to the beginning of your journey, like um, where you grew up, your upbringing, you know, where did Kid Funk's life start? Um, I was born in Scotland, funny enough. Yeah, um, interesting. Yeah. And my parents moved from Scotland to South Africa when I was four years old. So I didn't have much yeah. of a choice. And uh, they moved to South Africa because they needed work and there was lots of opportunities and jobs going here. Yeah. So um, I was four, came to South Africa. I didn't know any better. Um, I just uh, was along with for the ride with the family. Yeah. And uh, my parents both got jobs at Wits University. So my mom was head caterer at Men's Res EOH yeah. uh, in town. And my father was a main campus as an engineer. And then we moved out to the West Rand to Rural yeah. Place, whereas uh, that's where I grew up. Okay. And uh, my house was filled with music. My father kind of comes from the, 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 the 60s. He was very um, passionate about the music that he listened to. You know, it's from that Woodstock era. Yeah, uh, yeah. And Led Zeppelin. And that, that was all the music that I heard in the house growing up. You know, Sundays were a big day for him. He'd play a lot of music. He'd do mixtapes. He had like the whole setup and he'd like get the flow right between songs, even though he wasn't mixing. Yeah. Yeah. Or that, 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 you know, his curation was on point for, for mixtapes for my mom, which she put in the car and she would listen to every single week. Yeah. Um, so I kind of grew up in that environment. And then my father and I, as I grew up, we would go to CD warehouse in uh, Rosebank. It was called compact disc warehouse. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was only one of them, and it was the one that brought in all the cool music. And I would join him. We would kind of do trips there on the weekends, and occasionally he would give me like a budget to get myself something. Yeah, and uh, that's where uh, my real journey started in 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 what I became passionate about at the time, which was it was quite experimental, but it was trip hop and electronica, and and that's acid jazz. That's where I really found. Uh, what I would call what I wanted to be involved in musically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then that con continued. And I, from an early age, I knew that I wanted to just be in the industry. Yeah. To some capacity, you know. Mm. I, I wanted, you know, first first things first, I wanted to be in a, in a retail store. I wanted to be one of the cool kids behind the counter <laughs> selling yeah, yeah. music. And um, I ticked that box quite early on in my life, um, working with Look and Listen, which I did, I think, four or five years at yeah, and kind of broke my way up. 
But I mean, that, that's a kind of snapshot of, of what it was like as Kid Funk growing up. It was just filled with music. Yeah. And um, I was never really good at, at school. I was, I was uh, not very academic. I was very social and I was very into music. And yeah. I jumped around from school to school and I landed up at Rudderport College um, right next to Westgate. Yeah. And I, I, made a whole, I made friends with a whole bunch of guys who were running a radio show yeah. or, or during lunch breaks. And that's where I started DJing. I got a slot and every DJ was kind of, they were specific to their genre. There was like a, a guy that did house, a guy that did techno. And I was kind of like the hip hop drop up guy. And yeah. um, I'm not sure whether I expanded the kids at those ages, at, the, at that age is like uh, minds into the music that I was playing, but it was very new and it was yeah, very yeah. Um, exciting uh, for me. That That's kind of where everything started. That was yeah. really, I mean, I wasn't even mixing. You couldn't even kind of cue the CD players. It was just, there were two CD players and I could press play when one track ended and yeah, yeah. continue the journey. And that's where it all began. And that that's, the West Strand and my father and, and Rudderport College really were instrumental in, in kind of the journey and, and where I am right now. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And I didn't know that you were from the area because I grew up in the exact same area. Oh, so really? That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting to know. West Strand till you die, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, okay. So you said you, you worked at Look and Listen and, yes. you know, I'm sure you gained a little experience in terms of like, what your interests were in terms of like the sounds that you enjoy and stuff, being around so much music as yeah. a day job, nine to five. So when did you now start exploring like making music and making strides towards actually having a career in music? So that all came much later. Um, what happened was I kind of forced my way into looking this. I went to the UK yeah. um, just before that at the age of 17. My parents were, were pretty sick of me. Like uh, academically, I wasn't, doing much i was just i was just music i was just djing and trying to find my, my 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 space and the music i was into didn't get brought into this country on vinyl and if you wanted to dj yeah you had to have vinyl so i i, I said to my folks i'd love to go overseas and they were like let's go figure figure yourself out they bought me a ticket i went to brighton in the uk for a year yeah in the course of that year i landed up buying all the records that i wanted to buy being here um and i wanted to you know, I was very into Moax, Ninja Tune, and uh, Warp Records, and none of that stuff was here. So I spent a year there. I worked in a sandwich shop. Yeah. And I spent all of my money on records, and I came back after a year, and I finally had a collection that I could DJ that I wanted to play. Yeah. And I still wasn't in a music store. I was, I was, I was working in retail. I worked at Guest Clothing in Santa, and I was just doing whatever I could. But yeah. A door opened at, at a venue, 206, the legendary 206 uh, on Louis Boerta. And yeah. again, we kind of, we went in there, we took all of our, our speakers, our CD, well, not CD players, our turntables, our, just to get an opportunity to play. Yeah. And that's what landed up being my first residency, um, playing the music that I wanted to, and, and Kid Funk becoming uh, a DJ that had a slot every single week. It was yeah. only after that that uh, when that was happening, I got a job and moved from retail uh, clothing, guest clothing, to look and listen. Yeah. And look and listen, I was part-time because I was really focused on the DJing. It was a Tuesday night at 2 or 6. 
Yeah. Um, so I would take a Wednesday off and, and relax because we were getting home at like four or five in the morning. Um, but that, that really established me as a DJ. Then for me to move forward in the industry, um, I started to get to know all the guys that were bringing in the music. Yeah, yeah. And there was a time where Fatissimo and Coast Music were bringing in the coolest music, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. They were bringing in all the, they were bringing Defected and K7 and Crude and Dwarfmeister and all the stuff. And I became friends with them. And I did a lot of traveling um, when I did my, when I got my first job again, I kind of forced my way into, uh, it was a, a distribution house called Coast Music. They were bringing yeah. in some of the coolest stuff. And I, I managed to get a job there and move out of retail. And I now was a, a sales rep selling this yeah. music and traveling the world. I was going, I think I was going overseas three to four times a year to go and uh, sign distribution rights for labels. Yeah. Um, and that really opened so many doors for me. That opened my eyes as well because now I was, yeah. in, I was in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and again, um, it really did um, take a while for the production side. I wasn't even thinking of that. All I was thinking was I'm, I'm in the music industry. Curse Music, I was there for about four or five years. Yeah. And I kept bumping into the guys from Soul Candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was selling them records as well. So we, we yeah. had the rights for Compost Records and uh, a couple other guys that were putting out house records and I would go take those, like we'd bring in big shipments of records and I'd take them to Harrell at Soul Candy yeah. Records in Rosebank and he would buy them. And we started learning, you know, what he did and what I did. And then, you know, at some point they, they wanted me to come and work for them. Um, yeah. Which was tough at the, at the time because they didn't really represent the music that I, I loved. But from a, a growth aspect, it made sense. And I, I yeah. made a move. And it was still from a, I was still, I was like the sales manager selling Soul Candy music and all the other stuff yeah. that I brought in at the time. And um, that went on for about three or four years. And this was all still just climbing the ladder, just, just trying yeah, to yeah, find yeah. my way in the music industry. And uh, Brett Jackson and Ricardo were label managers of Soul Candy at the time. And Brett was, he was smashing it. The label was doing really well. And unfortunately, he passed away. And then they needed to find a label manager. And then they they asked me because they loved my work ethic. But I was never really a househead. I liked Mm -hmm. it. I played a bit of it, but it wasn't like my focus. Yeah. Um, And I felt like Brett was the epitome of, of the perfect label manager for Soul Candy. Yeah, and I, I was different to that, and I, I made it quite clear, you know, that that that's who I am, and I landed up managing Soul Candy Records from a label perspective for about four years, and also mm. just got thrown in the deep end. Had no idea how contracts worked, how copyright law worked, yeah, who, whose music represented who. I mean, I, next thing I've, I'm in meetings with DJ Fresh and. Ganyani, yeah, yeah, yeah. all these big dogs and, and, and in a sense, just kind of like winging it. And yeah. I did that for a long time and, and learned a lot, an immense amount of, of um, information about how the music industry worked, which in a, without a doubt has set me up for what I do today. Yeah. And being able to put me in a position where I understand how these things work, but I can do it on my own um, yeah. without having um, you know, a, a big thing at Soul Candy, we, we, we had to get hits. We had to get yeah. earlier hits. And that really wasn't my game. 
uh, as a person that's never really been what I focused on. Whereas yeah, yeah. I got the knowledge, which I can now, you know, put into to action and run. Yeah. Stations. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And you spoke about like collecting records, you know, and collecting music and how that was so important to you at an early age. How much harder was it to like explore music back then? Because obviously now it's much easier. You know, you have all of these streaming platforms and libraries and libraries of music all at the tap of a button. You know what I mean? So how much harder was it back then to actually like study music, collect music, understand it, explore different genres? I've been completely obsessed with music for such a long time and I always found a way. So, I mean, I'm kind of like a child of, of BBC radio. And uh, I religiously listen to Giles Peterson every week and note down things that I liked. And then yeah. I would get Straight No Chaser magazine every single month. And they were, what they do in Straight No Chaser magazine is they'd have a double spread and then they would have all the DJs I liked in their top tens. Yeah, yeah. So it was always about the top tens. It was always about listening to radio. It was always about trying to find the the, the, the freshest stuff. And then, I ended up working in the industry and I was placing the orders for Coast Music uh, before Soul Candy. And then when I went to Soul Candy, I was dealing with all the guys overseas when we were licensing music nonstop. So I, I, I yeah. began dealing with uh, Jazz and Charles Webster and all these people that uh, you know I'd looked up to. And it, it made it a lot easier. But back in the day, it was, it was like dial-up. I used to go to my mom's house and, and get on the internet and have to spend five minutes connecting to a phone line, listen to it, get on. And then I'll go into Juno Records and I would sit and and go into Juno Records and and listen, but it would take forever. And then the money I had, I'd give to my mom and then put it on her credit card and I'd place an order. And I would end up waiting about a month and a half for my records to to arrive. And every day, all I could think about was those records. Mm. from Juno all the way to South Africa. But it's it's always been a priority and it's always been a focus for me to just be on top of the game musically as a DJ as well. I've never really been one that that kind of just plays it safe. I I want to be able to introduce people to WhatsApp and Mm. uh, I've been able to do that now with with my radio show and and with, um, with the record label. I'm yeah. I mean, my release schedule at the moment is up to January next year. Yeah, yeah. I've got all that content. I've got everything mastered. So I've got, mm. I've got a, a, like a wealth worth of music, incredible music that I can yeah. play before it comes out. Uh, things have changed without yeah. a doubt, but I always made it a priority. It was, it was more difficult, but it was, it was my focus to make sure that I knew what was going on. Yeah. No, that's interesting. And what would you say ultimately puts us on the paths that we're destined to be on in life. Do you think it's intentional action or the feelings that we get when we connect to something? I think it's... Or a bit of both. I think it's... Like, I'm just such a perfect example of, like, if you really, really, really want to do something, you could do it. Yeah. And it's taken me a long time. um, And I had no idea that I would own a record label or or be on radio. Yeah. For that case. But... It was something that was uh, consistently put into my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was something I enjoyed. And I, I feel like that if someone wants to do something so badly, they'll do yeah. it. Yeah, I yeah. just knew that I wanted to be in the music industry. That was my focus. Mm. Whether it was in retail, whether it was 
selling music to someone like in retail or yeah. whether it was running a record label. I just wanted to be in the business and, and fortunately mm. I've been able to kind of tick all those boxes. But yeah. I, I still don't feel like I'm done. By yeah. There's still so many things that I want to do. Uh, yeah. But I do believe that intention is is very important. Yeah, yeah. Set it out, create the vision, and, um, you know, a lot of things kind of move for you. Yeah. If you're clear with what you want to do. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And are there any other interests or things that you think you'd be pursuing now if you hadn't pursued music? Like oh. What would you be doing if you weren't doing music? If you weren't in the music industry, I hate to think about it. Eh? Like, yeah. I, I'm a good salesman. I can, I can, I can sell us to an Eskimo. I know that, and I would probably yeah. be in sales to, to some degree. Yeah, and and selling something possibly musical, you know, mm. yeah, phones or or mics or something. Yeah, but it had to be music, man. And I kind of, you know, in in saying that, it's in, it's intentional or or make your intentions known so that things happen. Mm. You don't just make them known and then sit back. You actually got to pursue them. So yeah. if you look at, like, when I started in retail, when I went from from being nowhere in the music industry and then starting to sell music at Look and Listen, it yeah. wasn't easy. I, like, mm. I forced my way in there. And yeah. they were saying, no, we don't need you. And I was, like, showing them they need me. And they, they gave me a job as a security guard watching a security guard stamp receipts at the door. Yeah, and I took it because I knew that that would be that's all Your I way in. Yeah, mm. exactly. And then when it came from me to move from look and listen to curse music, same thing. The the owner of curse music didn't want to take me because he didn't want to annoy look and listen as a client. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I convinced him that I would handle look and listen, and if if I did that, he would take me on, which I did, which was hard. But yeah. I made all these things happen because I knew what I wanted to do. So, in a sense, what I'm saying is, if you if you know you you want to do it, you're still going to have to fight. Yeah, yeah. To get where you it's it's you can't just be complacent and chill. Yeah, you really need to fight to to get where where you want to go. And yeah. I think um, I've winged it a lot of the <laughs> a lot <laughs> of the way. And fortunately <laughs> enough, it's it's worked in my favor. You know. Yeah, yeah. And did you ever have imposter syndrome? So obviously, like you say, you started at retail. And obviously, your career has grown exponentially from that time. With every promotion or step forward that you took, did you ever have imposter syndrome or like doubts as to whether or not you can do like that specific thing or not? I think my worst, the the, the worst time I had was, was, it was the best time because of the amounts of knowledge that I I learned. Yeah. and, And the understanding of the music industry that I got from working at Soul Candy is, is it really does help and set me up for where I am right now. But yeah. If, if I feel like I had, I had imposter syndrome, like there's no tomorrow, it was at Soul Candy. Yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't Brett. Mm. Brett was made for Soul Candy. I, yeah. I wasn't. I, I kind of felt like, and I was honest about it, like this is not, this is not my favorite genre of music that you guys yeah. are messing yeah. with. Now you expect me to run this machine and I did it, and I learned so much, but it was very, very difficult mm, for mm. me to, yeah. to be in that position of power and you don't really feel like you're the, pow- the most powerful person in that uh, lane, if that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't like the most well-known house DJ. 
by yeah. any means. But yet I'm running the biggest house label in Africa. Yeah. So it was daunting and it was it was quite a rough ride. Um, but there's no way I would be where I am right now if it wasn't for that journey, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And how do you handle taking on so many roles at the same time? Um, I'm speaking in current times. Mm. Um, we often hear the saying, um, don't be a jack of, jack of all trades and a master of none. Mm. So how important is it to master a skill? Well, not master it, but basically understand what you're doing before taking another step and starting something new. Like how important is that? Because it's very easy, obviously, to start something, not really... 100% know what's going on and then start something new and then you end up doing all of these things but you're not you haven't mastered any of them so there's no focus really on yeah i feel like everything that i do feeds into each other mm. without a doubt and everything connects to one thing which is music and yeah and dope underground music which i've been a fan of since i was a teenager and yeah. I, I just want to be able to represent that well give it a yeah. great platform, which I've built um, either through the radio show or through the record labels that I run. But I yeah. feel like it's all quite seamless. And I also, I, I kind of like, I got ADHD, like I got ants in my pants. I, I, I can't be still. Yeah. I always have to be doing something. So whether it's it's putting out music on statutory sounds or statutory beats or curating the radio show for selective styles and then presenting it or... Um, DJing or creating streams or whatever, everything really does flow into each other and speak to each other. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like I'm um, like a baker at night and yeah. then I'm a DJ during the day. It's yeah, very yeah, yeah. Much, everything does connect really beautifully together. So for me, when I wake up and I, I work, and this is the space I work in, it's very much open up my mails and I know I have a show to curate and, and get to 5FM by a certain point, but I also know I've got lots of music to get through yeah, and yeah. contracts to get done and albums to. So for me, it just, it flows. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm happiest when I'm busiest. So yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's it. I, I don't really feel like anything. I'm not, I'm not good at one thing because of the other. I feel like I'm just good at the music thing and all of these yeah. things are part of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So would that be your advice to somebody who is trying to not stay in one box and trying to diversify their skills? Would you advise think, that they... I think everyone's different. Yeah. I think, you know, there's one thing that you learn in this life is that not everyone has the same energy as you do or same drive in certain fields. And there's one thing I know, like I'm good at this, at, at all the things that I do and I have the drive and... and yeah. Um, towards getting everything done. So yeah. it, it would be difficult for me to advise someone mm. if that's, you know, if they're, they're going to be different to me. Yeah. And the one thing I could advise them is if you dig it you, and you want to do it, you're going to have to push yeah. to regardless of what it is. Mm, mm. And just to go back to Soul Candy for a second. Mm. Um, so you've worked at Soul Candy. You've now left and started your own label. Stay True Sounds. Um, you said, you mentioned how you didn't like the fact that you had to always find hits at Soul Candy and there were certain elements um, of your work that you didn't enjoy. Mm. Um, so did that motivate like your vision and what you wanted like for your own label once it was time for you to start it? 
100%. There was no one doing what Statue Science is doing at that mm-hmm. time. House music was a lot bigger. It got a lot more representation on radio. Yeah. Um, but there was still a space where artists like Bruce Loco, Dawson, um, China Chameleon, the list goes on, were yeah. were seen as very underground, which they are. But there mm. wasn't a label big enough to handle them. And yeah. that's what I wanted to create. I wanted to create a brand that represented all the amazing underground producers that weren't necessarily waking up and going, right, what do we need to do to make a top 10 hit? Because that's what it was yeah. about in Soul Candy. It was like, what is the recipe for top 10, right? Yeah. It's this vocalist with that producer at the Pyramid Studio for this amount of time. We're going to turn out something. Something's going to stick. And then you've got targets. Then you've got to yeah. hit these targets and everything. And for me, it, it kind of started feeling like it wasn't about the music anymore. It was yeah. about yeah. turnover. And it was about the bottom line. And for me, I never got into the music industry because of those things. I got into the music industry because of the music. And that's yeah. what I wanted to focus on with Statue Sounds. And look, it's been hard. You know, I'm six years young. Um, mm. And the business has only really started making money this year. Yeah. Uh, um, but I've got a very strong catalog. And I've got a, a lineup of, of incredible artists. And some stuff sticks and some stuff doesn't. But yeah. I think the brand is big enough now where people that do listen to Statue Sounds trust the brand. Yeah, I yeah. can bring someone new on and put them out there and people will listen to it just based on the fact that it sounds Statue Sounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of, to answer your question, so much stuff that I did at Soul Candy helped me make the decisions of how I run the label now. Yeah, yeah. And, and what are those initial difficulties when you do make that big jump? to running your own label, what are those first like initial challenges that you have to fight through that you realize money. very quickly? Money. You yeah. have to put a lot of money into a business that you own, mm. especially when you're not turning around hits, when, you, when you've got a niche audience. Yeah. And then just, you know, you're going to have to sacrifice a lot of things to, to get to where, you, where, where I am now. Six yeah. years down the line, I've got almost a thousand songs under the catalog. And yeah. the bigger the catalog gets, the more money you can make. And it's just about the vision at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if it wasn't for the DJing, I don't think Statue Sounds would be alive because the, the DJing has kind of subsidized my lifestyle. Yeah. Being able to afford like living in a house and having a child and whatever. If it wasn't for the DJing, I, there's no way I would have been able to rely on Statue Sounds Yeah. Um, as a business. Yeah. Uh, if you're going to be doing big things like this, you're going to have to have something else paying the bills while this builds in the background, you know? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And yesterday I saw a post that you made on Instagram and Facebook, and mm-hmm. you're talking about compiling um, local music for TV because there wasn't enough cinematic music that was being represented on our local TV screens. Mm. Um in everything that it is that you do, I mean, you do so many things, but in everything it is that you do, I feel as if you're always trying to do it for the culture. There's there's some sort of contribution you try to make to the culture, whether that's through selective styles, your radio show, true music series, uh, events like uh, Two Sides of the Beat, things like that. You always try to contribute to the culture. So where did you get this passion to actually 
find talent and, and assist people and grow the culture instead of being in it for yourself. Because a lot of people, as their careers develop, they forget about the culture and it's, it's just all about them. So yeah. what is it that gives you that passion to, to help others and to grow the culture? I think I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've got a great ear for good music, regardless of whether it's popular or not. Mm. Um, I know my lane and I know that putting someone that is good through the networks and, and platforms that I've created yeah. definitely enhance their career. Mm. I've also, in a sense, created a business where it's not only them that benefits. Yeah. I benefit if so I'm winning if they're winning. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it works both ways on Selective Styles and on the radio show. So I'm going to introduce you to someone you've never heard before. Yeah. A, the artist that you're being introduced to is winning. But yeah. B, you're going to come back to Selective Styles next week because yeah, yeah. you've been introduced to something and it's a great like experience that you've gone through. Mm. And the same with, with, with Stay True Sounds. But... I don't know if I'm answering your, your question correctly, but it's just it's just something that's in me. Like I I, I think over the past three years, I, I I definitively know what my purpose is, and that's mm. exactly what it is. Yeah, and that's what I pursue. Mm. And you know, I, I'm I'm a big I, I got raised listening to Giles Peterson and Benji B, and these are the guys who put me onto so much music. Yes, yeah. I suppose I was I was um, in a sense like. I admired that and, and strive to be that sort of uh, person. And that's exactly mm. where I am right now. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's, it's never about it's again, it just boils down to the bottom line music. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to put you on regardless of who the person is, mm. whether they got like bad, like ego or yeah, you know, they're difficult <laughs> to work with. If their music's dope, their music's dope. And I've always just yeah. focused on that. And fortunately, in the years that I've been doing it, you know, a lot of people have, have really benefited from the platforms that I've created. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that I've put them onto, but I just want to be able to do it more. You know, for me, I think I've, I've been able to really help a lot of South African producers build a fan base and, and, and get a great DJ career. Yeah. But my, my, my mission, and when I say to you that I'm not done is, is I really got to get, Stay True Sounds and, and the sound of SA, not from a, a, a traditional perspective, but from what's yeah. happening in the underground overseas. So that's that's kind of like my next my next move is to just go and take all the stuff over there and, and really showcase what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And and what would you say your process is of like actually finding new talent, especially from a label perspective? Hmm. So many people ask me, how to get music to me. It's like my everyday question. Yeah. How do I get music to you? And there is no way. Actually, I make it quite difficult. Um, yeah. Because so many people are trying to knock on my door and I only have so much time in a day. Yeah. So I have sources that I use um, and music gets to me organically and it's always been that way. Surprisingly, yeah. since I left Soul Candy and moved on to do my own thing, Bruce Loco was super organic. And, and yeah, yeah. what an incredible way to start a label than putting out Bruce's EP because he was kind of like, this is, if your music doesn't sound close to this, we're not interested. Yeah. And um, 
I might miss out on one or two things, but there's incredible labels, you know, Candid Beings and uh, Just Move Records that are also picking up dope guys, and I support them on the radio show too. You know, the radio show is not just about state results; it's about everything yeah, yeah. doing dope yeah. stuff. Um, but there is no real process. There is there is a network of people that kind of feed into me. Yeah, and there, there's if people manage to to get to my inbox and make it easy for me to listen to something. Yeah. I will, and if I dig it, I'll, I'll I'll chat to them. But like I said, the release schedule at the moment is up to January. That's yeah. a license sign. Yeah, that's content. crazy. And yeah. uh, we're putting out music every single week. Mm. Uh, um, but there is there is no real, you know. I've said this so many times. I think if you are if you are good at what you do, we'll find you. Mm. Just keep doing what you do. Get it. Get it to the people that you can. Yeah, you know, I've had so many people in the past, like FKA Mash sends me music because I trust him. He gets it to me. China yeah. Million gets music to me. People get me, and and it's dope. And if I don't dig it, that's also fine. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I had to spend my day in Iron, I would literally never be able to work. Yeah, because so many people have something to to send, and I think mm. instead of trying to knock on my door. Get it to the people that you can and just keep trying to master their craft, you know? Yeah. And if you yeah. don't, we'll find you. Mm. Even if it means that I'm going to put you on the radio show uh, and state resounds later, it doesn't matter. I've got more than one platform to to expose great talent. So Yeah, yeah. I think just, just be good at what you do and there's no doubt that I'll find you somehow. Even if it's not the label that's picking you up, I'll find you if you're going to get signed to Canterbury Records. I'm going to find you because yeah, these guys are yeah. sending me stuff, you know? Yeah. And would you say investing time and resources into what's generally like unknown develops you as well from a music perspective? What do you mean by that? So obviously there's new talents and there's younger people maybe doing different things that you may, you might not be accustomed to, even though you've been in the industry for so long. There might be new things that you weren't aware of that a new artist is doing mm. that contribute to you as well from a music perspective. Look, I'm I'm just into music, like, yeah. regardless of genre or age. I mean, there's mm. so much exciting stuff coming out of South Africa. I think I I, I represent like five to ten percent of what's actually going on. If you look at how overseas is, is is so consumed by I'm a piano at the moment, it's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I want I want to know about anything else other than piano, which used to be the case a couple of years with Gong. Yeah, know? yeah overseas that's all they wanted was just give us mm. more bomb and, and that's how people like lag and then built their career yeah um but the, yeah there's there's always dope stuff and i always just want to be kind of at the cusp of what's happening yeah um, yeah but yeah hopefully hopefully and and it's happened in the past and i'll, I'll put my hand up first to say that i've done it I, i've slept on one or two people yeah have gone on and had amazing careers Mm. Um, but I believe that the people that I'm working with on the label now are definitely the right fit. Yeah, yeah. And you spoke about um, Amapiano there. Mm. What would you say the impact of Amapiano is on like other genres of, of house, especially Deep House? What would you say the landscape of Deep House locally is right now? Deep especially house based on the... The impact that Ama Piano is making at the moment. Yeah, piano is huge, man. It's it's. Uh, I'm playing w when we do get to DJ mm. in this world of being locked down. Um, you know, there's lots of times where I'm getting 
put into spaces when I'm playing after I'm a piano guy, and it's a huge, huge genre. Yeah. I'm not sure how it's how it's kind of affecting the purest deep house scene. Yeah, the, the deep I call them the deep house police. Yeah, have, uh, <laughs> have their issues with I'm a piano, which I, I don't really relate to. Yeah, but it is what it is. I don't know how much it's affecting the the excuse me the deep house scene. The deep house scene in this country is just so strong. Yeah, it has its own community regardless of what new genre is coming out. Mm. But to answer your question, I don't think that it's it's affecting too much of. Uh, it might be affecting the numbers of people coming to gigs, but yeah. I still believe that the deep house scene is is big enough to support all of us. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you've played international gigs in the UK, Hong Kong, Switzerland, Dubai, you name it. When was your first international gig and what was that experience like? First international gig, I think, was Switzerland. And it was definitely a lesson. Um, and I think every person that goes over learns something about the difference between playing here and playing overseas. Yeah. And overseas, they definitely like it a, a little bit quicker, mm. a, a little bit straightforward. Don't like it to be too complicated. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy it. It's a different crowd. Once mm. you master how, how to work with that crowd, it's amazing. Yeah. Just like I've, I've had so many internationals coming to South Africa, and when they play here first, they, they come with that, that mentality of how they play overseas. Yeah. It never really works. They have to adapt. So the second mm. time they come, they kind of get a better understanding as to how, how to serve the music that they're playing, and it works better. Yeah, that, that's with anything. So um, hopefully, if uh, if COVID rules change in Europe and stuff, I'll be there um, before the end of the year. Yeah, doing some gigs and stuff. But um, to be honest, gigging there's no place like home, man. Yeah, yeah. South Africa is the spot to play. Yeah, and and with that experience of of understanding that different audiences like different things. If you do play for a new audience, is it something that you go out of your way to do to kind of like study what it is they enjoy before coming up with a set to perform mm. for them? I very much keep it in my lane because mm. I'm a DJ. You're booking me for a reason. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. What I do. Yeah. But I think how you present it is quite different. Yeah. Overseas to how you do it here. Yeah. I think yeah. It's, a, it's a pace thing. Like overseas, you know, we start here 113 BPM up. Yeah, yeah, you started yeah. like 120 up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Kind of playing the same music with other yeah. people. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't, I very rarely think like, oh, this crowd is techno, so I need to go buy more techno. I'd rather play stuff that I bought that I love. Yeah, and yeah. And adapt to that situation that way, you know? Yeah, Just try to keep it as organic as possible, as it is to you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And would you say you're one of those DJs that tries to, thread your sets together to create that kind of like familiarity with your following? Mm. I definitely have a style. I think every DJ has a style. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I know I'm a good DJ, but I think it's, it's about how I program the set, what mm. I played, when. Um, but yeah, I think every person that's kind of in the music and in the arts, you kind of, you overthink these things. Yeah, yeah. How you're presenting yourself and how, how it works. And I think 
the more you do it as with anything in life, the better you get, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm always curious as to know, like, not even from an ego perspective, I always say two things. If I could experience two things just to feel what it's like, you know, that adrenaline rush or connecting with people, it'll be people connecting with you as a DJ, like a large crowd of people connecting to you as a DJ and scoring an important goal because I'm a football fanatic Okay. in front of a huge crowd. I always just wonder like what that feels like, not even from an ego perspective, just, I'm just curious. You know, so everyone root for you. Yeah, yeah. So, what is that feeling like? It's amazing if you get it right. I mean, you're never going to get it right every gig. Yeah. Um, but I've had some gigs where uh, it's just everything connects at the right time, at the right mm. space, and it's an incredible feeling. And I yeah. think that's why we keep doing it, just to get that that high. Just like a a, a guy playing football is never going to score the whole time. Yeah, yeah. But there's going to be that one time when there's 10 seconds on the clock and he's going to score that final goal and it's going to change his life. Yeah. So I can't replicate yeah. that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but fortunately, I've, I've had some really beautiful gigs, important yeah. gigs, where it's just connected, you know. Mm. It's an no, amazing feeling. I don't know, I don't know what, what more to say. It yeah, is. yeah I'm sure it's hard to, to explain, but I'm, yeah. just, I'm just curious and I wanted you to just try and explain it as best as you could because I'm sure it's something you know, that you, you know, can't you've really done explain. a good job, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now that's interesting. And from the conversation we've had today, it's clear that, you know, you're still going to keep going. There's still a lot of plans that you have for the future. So do you think there'll ever come a point where you stop doing this and you retire or are you just going to keep going until? Keep going until I can't go no more, bro. Yeah. I don't know what else I would do with my life. It's just about building and, and, you know, what I've been able to do in 20 years is cool, but I really got to like focus on the business and, and getting these things that I'm involved in exposed on a more global level, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the next steps. And then yeah. from there, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, there's no plans on stopping right now ever. Yeah. No, no, that's interesting. Um, just in closing, if there was any advice that you'd like or that you could give to somebody who's, at the beginning of their path, doing something maybe similar or someone who's just nervous or afraid to pursue what it is they want to pursue, like what advice would you give them, even though it might go differently for them? Sure. I think I think that's the thing. It will go differently without a yeah. doubt. Um, but is to have a vision and stick to that vision. And the more yeah. you think about it, the more you're going to bring it into your life. I mm. write shit down, eh? I write stuff down all the time. I constantly have lists of things that I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. Um, and lists of things that I'm grateful for. I think it's also very, very important to to, to kind of reflect on what you've done. Yeah. And um, to be grateful for the situations that you're in. Yeah. But yeah, I would say lists, vision, and, and gratitude are very important. Um, yeah. Or anything, really, if you want mm. to pursue it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thank you, Tata. And just before you go, um, are there is there anything that our listeners should be looking out for that you might be releasing or any projects that you're working on that they should be looking out for? So much music all the time. State Resounds, uh, go check us out on Bandcamp. Or, I mean, you can't really search for labels on Deezer or Apple Music or Spotify. So um, if you can, try follow our playlists. but all my energy at the moment because of lockdown really goes into the labels and the music that I'm putting out from such great talents in South Africa. 
Yeah. If you, if you really want to hear what's going on in the heartbeat of, of the underground and SA, go check out Statue Science. That's yeah. probably the, the best representation of what I've been doing.